All right. Okay, so listen up, everyone. So for those of you who, who we are, my name is Jonah Nechikov. This is my sister, Sydney Nechikov, and we've been asked to do the forum. Who don't know? I've been called by God. What's next? So first things first, on, I get you all to close your eyes. It's not going to be anything weird, I promise. Just close your eyes. Just trust us. So we're gonna get, okay, so we're going to do a poll. Um, we just want to get a general sense of where everyone's at. So can you and if you've been called by God this week at camp? Okay, raise your hand. So quite a few. Okay, can you raise your hand now if you've been called by God Keep in the your eyes past? Closed. Great. So in previous years at camp, uh, at your home church, something like that. Um, okay, so the majority of you, you can put your hands down. Okay, um, can you raise your hand if yeah. you've accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, accepting his grace and you raise Awesome. Great, so we have some believers here. Mercy. Raise your hand if you're a born-again believer. Okay, um, great. And then raise your hand if you have no idea what we're talking about. Okay. That's some odd people. people here. That's All great. right, you can open your eyes. Okay, so... Okay. That's the call of God. Can we get some discussion going? Um, what is... Pass around a mic, but we'll repeat your answers. Repeat your answer. So uh, we'll just open it up. What is the call of God? We so, won't pass... think it is. Anyone. Call of God. What do you... Sin. Conviction of sin. Anyone else? Conviction of sin. Guidance. Guidance. Good. Anything else? All right, looks like we got some work to do. <laughs> I guess so. So it looks like here. Oh, before we, before we continue on, we have a request from uh, a brother from Papua New Guinea who wants someone to um, say, say hi to all of those uh, youth in Papua New Guinea. And he's going to take a video of it. So, Guinea, do you want us to? Okay. He has something that he wants us to say to him. So, greetings to Good News Church in PNG from the youth of North America, ACC Youth. Okay? Christian ch- Again, greetings to, to the Good News Christian Church from PNG, in PNG. So, from the youth in North America. Yeah, so you want to write this on the whiteboard? That's probably a better idea. Hold this. Yeah. Okay. Is uh, red, so hopefully you can see it. I'll write it big. The marker. Do we have lights? You guys, pretty dark. Uh, Just one sec. Can you see? Can you guys see that? Question. We're not going to type it on the PowerPoint. You guys read that at all? Kind of. We don't have a better marker. There's no. Can you? Oh, see, this one's better. Here. Okay. No other one. This one's a lot better. Oh. 
kind of got an answer already for the next one. Oh, it's kind of. Just right in North America. Okay, so what it says, can't see it, says, Greetings to the good. To the Good News Christian Church in PNG from the youth in North America. Guys, for those who, okay. So if you guys look to the camera over here, he's going to take a video of, of America, okay? So, oh, can you, can you all stand up? <laughs> Us saying it. Perfect. Do you want to say something too? Okay, so I'll count down from three, okay? Okay, so he's going to say thing from in his, in his language, and then after he's done that, we're going to say, we're going to say this greeting, okay? Say something. So the video is on. I will say something in our language. After I say something in my language, then you will say, Right. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll repeat it. Greetings from the no- good news. <laughs> great, great. We'll retry it. We'll retry it. That was bad. Oh. He didn't say anything. I thought he did. Greetings to to the the Good News Christian Church Church in PNG from the youth in America. Okay, thank you. Here's the clicker back. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for that. Okay, so let's get back on track. So uh, some people have said what the call of God is, but Jonah and I think that this definition really sums up uh, what the common thoughts of it is. So the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia defines it as uh, call of God. patient given to men by God to accept salvation in his kingdom through Jesus Christ. The invitation. So, the call. So, what is the call of God? So, Matthew 22, uh, verses 1 to 14, we see this kind of picture that Jesus is, in Matthew, uh, explaining to us about his, his kingdom and how he depicts it as this is uh, between, uh, for his son. And so, this king invites all of his son, marriage feeds to come to this, uh, this wedding feast. And so they go out, this, his servants go out, and his friend, 
look to see where his friends are. And his friends come back to, to the king and say, oh, I, I have all these excuses. They go and they, my ox is whatever it's, whatever, whatever they usually do. And so the king is angry with this. And so what he does is he tells his servants to go out into the street. He gets really angry the cities to invite everyone who can come to this feast. So not into his friends, but everyone now. And so there was an overwhelming response of people coming, not just wedding, but there was also one man who came to this wedding who was not wearing the traditional wedding to this wedding. And so the king came up to him, and he, he asked him, Sir, why are you not wearing the traditional garment? And the man didn't have an answer to it. And even though in the culture he should have known that, and a wedding girl, the king was very angry with him, and he suffered grave consequences for that. And so, and so moving forward from this. No? Did it stop working? Must have. Okay. Just hit. Oh. So um, the call of God is twofold. So it's recognizing who God is in his holiness, and it's also recognizing who we are in comparison to God. So God is holy. God is a presence of sin. And it's this same God who is so holy that's inviting us. He can't be in the of his eternal kingdom. And who are we? We're sinful. We're broken. We're stubborn. We're in need to be part of care. We're unrighteous, unworthy. We're proud. And yet God still calls us to need of repent his kingdom. Isn't that crazy and amazing? Oh, I keep forgetting. To be in... So what we're going to do now is we're going to, since we outlined really kind of what the initial call of God is, I want to get everyone on the same page about what the gospel message is. And so for those who are believers, this is kind of one where you can remember what the gospel is and what you uh, began to believe and also what you kind of a time believe. And for those who have not committed their lives to Christ, this is your opportunity to get that good news or continued message that you've been hearing so much about. So first of all, to start, you're a sinner. Gospel, okay? We're going to get straight to the point about this. You're a sinner. So we're going to give you the bad news of the good news first. So what does it actually mean to be a sinner? So pop quiz, you know where the, te- where the Ten Commandments are located in the Bible? Exodus what? Does anyone know? Does anyone? All right, good. So have you ever broken one of the, one of the commandments? 20. Yes, right? So let's go through some of the commandments. All right, so we're going to go through a few of them. So sins. So thou shalt not steal, right? So in Ephesians 4, uh, 28, it reads, Let feelings uh, no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands. The thief he may share with them, with anyone in need. And so really, it's the reason why God, so that he wants us to steal, is because he wants us to work for the things that we that we get. He wants us to use those dozens to better other people. And so if you're stealing, you're really only just, it's a selfish kind of act, those things, doing it for yourself to uh, better, better yourself, but other people don't get that benefit. So next, and you're just, so Proverbs 12, 22 says, a lying lip, lying lips are lying to the Lord, but those who act, who act faithfully are his delight. So really, it's this kind of, we've got to realize how much God actually hates lying. Because it's the exactly opposite of his character. God's character is truth. He is truth. And so when we're lying, we're going against act of God's nature. So 
murder. Are you guys guilty of murder? God, I mean, you probably wouldn't be here if you were, right? So, what do we, what do we mean by, have you been Murder. Well, when Jesus talks in Matthew 5, 20, 21 to 20, broken, he explains how uh, hatred is actually murder in your heart. Six, murder is the worst thing that you could do to a human being. And hatred is a substance, and it's where you wish the worst upon someone, but you don't actually do the act. So, but it's still the same heart instead of that. Right? And so that's what God is trying to show us. So how do you stack up with this? So James 2.10 reads, Whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has to be accountable for all of it. So I kind of want to give you guys an example of become how much God actually hates sin. So Jake and Ruben, um, I'll use you guys. Okay, so you two are, you went to a foreign country, okay? You're driving in a taxi, and Jake turns to Ruben, and he slaps him in the face. Driving in your... <laughs> he did actually have to slap him, but... So, what would Ruben uh, most likely... What do you think is not a Christian? He'd probably slap him back, right? Well, yeah, he would slap, he would slap him too if he was... Right? So now, what if Jake decided to go and beat up the... Uh, back, right? What do you think would happen there? He'd probably get beat up as well too, Right? Now, taxi driver. What if cops showed up, and now he goes and he slaps the cop? <laughs> what do you think would Jake if, if that happened? He'd probably go to jail, right? So now what happened to the king in his progression was going down the, down the street, and Jake again runs up to them. What if, and slaps the king in the face in a foreign country? What do you think would happen to Jake? And probably be put to death, right? Now, what if we go and we slap the King of Kings, he probably, Holy of Holies, the almighty, all-righteous God who can't see sin, and we slap him with things in our lives? What do you think happens to us? We're fully and ultimately sin and damned eternally for what we've done, right? Without, without any kind of uh, really for that, right? We'd have to pay for it. So, Cindy's going to explain more about this. So, as Jonah was payment, we're guilty. We're doomed to death. So, just as in that example, the Jake would probably saying doomed to death. We also are. So, you're probably thinking, why so harsh? What's the big deal? Well, God says that the wages of sin are death. So, the wages like something that you earn. It's a payment method. So, let's look into some scripture and see why God views right. It's a sway. So. You know, ex, uh, sorry, Genesis 2, that's where uh, sin, the first sin was committed. And here in verse uh, 17, this is um, the But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you will, should it read, die. Okay, so God is discussing a punishment for sin. This is the first time a surely for sin is discussed in the Bible. And then let's look at Romans 5.12, punishment. So therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so so death spread to all men because all have sinned. So as we can see, sin is like death's infectious disease. So I'm a microbiologist. I work with bacteria that cause infectious disease. 
and all I can see sin as is this disease that doesn't just start with Adam and Eve, it is with them, and it didn't die with them. So once they died, their children also sinned, and that prop did start and transmitted itself into all of the world through all of time. So sin gets transmigrated every generation. So therefore, we are sinners, and we deserve to die because God met it truly, and he cannot stand in the presence of sin, and he is just, and he needs to deal with this his whole of the world. So now we need to get to the sin. Well, that we're completely depraved. So, so Sydney, point as be good enough? No. You can't ever be good enough. So here, Can I ever go through some common misconceptions that some people have about God and how they can be made right? Here, let's go to God. So what about all of the good that I've done? Isn't that enough? No, it's before enough. What about not being as bad as the person over there? You know, I'm not as bad as Jake, so not good enough. I keep picking on you this whole time. <laughs> And, you know, some people, in the end, the good and the bad will balance out. Well, that's karma. Because think that actually does not happen. So let's see what the Bible says. So in Psalm 13, 3, it says that we have all that outside. Together we have become corrupt. There is none righteous. There is no one who does good. No all turned us in one. So all of us have nothing to offer to God to make us good enough. We can't even give him our sin and be like, here, God, take this, and, you know, I'm now right before you. Like, give that. That wouldn't make any sense. We are not good enough. There is nothing that we of ourselves can do no, to reach God and to rectify this relationship. So you can see that there's this huge divide that divides us from God, and we need something in order to be that is sin before God. So do you feel stuck right now? Do you feel the weight of sin upon you right now? I know I did when I was when I was your age, and I was faced with the with on you right now things. And so we we have these troubling. We have a we have an answer to this though. There is a solution to this problem, and it is you need Jesus. So why Jesus? So just as we explained before, there was there was sin. Uh, a crime that was committed and a punishment needed to needed to happen. Sin, there was this payment or these wages of these these wages. So the payment for sin needs our our life and our soul. And this is not what God designed or wanted. Is he wanted like in the Garden of Eden when he was walking with Adam and Eve? He had this close relationship and design where they could discuss things and. It was a really beautiful and lovely relationship. But what happened relationship with them messed up. And God wants that relationship again. So what he does is he gives us this new system through Jesus Christ. And so God sent his payment to live the life that we couldn't live, to die the death that we deserve to die because of the sun, wrath upon us, as well as he gave us the power to rise again into newness of life where we can, because of God's, we can be free from the bondage of sin. So Jonah, why does God do this for us? Like why would God reach down to us? That's a good question. And it's because he loves us. So everyone knows this, John 3, 16. It's, it's on like all the sports uh, 
like first, sometimes you have it everywhere. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him, stadia, perish, but have eternal life. And it's this kind of love, this undeserved kind of love that God should not be shown to us that uh, through his son that now we can hold on to. God has So the whole point of this, though, the whole point of Jesus coming, dying, rising again, all of that, it's not about us. So the whole point isn't just now, you know, we can okay with God. It's actually that God is now imposing his righteousness upon us. And that is so amazing. So let's look at this verse together in um, 2 Corinthians 5.20. For our sake he made him, so that's talking about Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, that through him we might become the righteousness of God. That's amazing. So we are now righteous. So from a sinner to righteous to a saint, something that only God can do. Now made transformation that only God is able to do himself. And not only that, but we become part of the family of God. So in Romans 8, 17, it says that we have the only of God to, to be adopted as sons and daughters and fellow heirs with Christ. That's such an amazing opportunity. So let's explain what this, what's going on here. So here you have a depiction of the Trinity. So you have God the Father saying, you have God the Son, who's Jesus Christ, and you have God the Holy Spirit. All three are distinct, yet they are, they are God. And now, because we as believers have the Holy Spirit living inside our one, we have that same closeness of relationship that God has with his Son and through the Holy Spirit of us. We now are adopted into that as part of the family of God and have the opportunity be in a close relationship. This is what God designed. This is what he wanted. And we have this opportunity now because of what Jesus has done for us. And opportunity. Now, it's, your, it's time for your response. Okay, so you've heard the gospel, and now it's time. So now respond to this, whether you're for it or against it. So the problem is you've for you to recite it. Whether you like it or not, there's no white picket fence that you're sitting on. You've probably heard it before, already decided, sitting on the fence, or she's sitting on the fence. Um, I heard the gospel, but I don't know. Well, the problem is, oh, he's, you've already made your choice on this. We don't have the option to wait on this because um, we are in this sinful state like we explained. And so, really, the two choices you have for life and death. And so, we're going to go into some of the aspects of this. So... Have our life. If you choose life, you recognize the sin that's in your life and how God views it. And for life, though, God's amazing grace that we didn't deserve and how much love He has for us. You also and also uh, repent of those sins. So you acknowledge the sins, you confess them to God, and you turn so those sins and you cleave you cleave to God in, instead. And so, in a way, from life, you also have this new life in Christ, where now you've died to your old self, where those desires and the you choose ashes that you had before are now being buried with Christ, and now you're rising up as a new creature who has those past desires. And in this, you have victory. Vic, you have victory over sin. God comes through His Holy Spirit and and this active communication and relationship with God. And this ultimately, if you choose life and you continue on this race, you, you gain eternal life 
and all communion with God, and you could spend eternity in his love and in his presence. So you could all eternal death. So by not choosing, just saying, I want to wait, I'm too young, making up, also chooses, you actually are choosing death. So what does that mean? It means you're rejecting God's love and grace. So that seems like when you look at who God is and his love and his grace, it seems ridiculous to reject such a God who's giving us a free gift of grace and restoration. So you continue in sin and you are a slave to sin and to Satan. We know that Satan is the one who is the control of sin and he's the father of sin. And he wants us to stay there. And he wants us to be bound and have baggage and wounds and scars and everything that's associated with sin. Because it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And there's nothing you can do about it other than sin and the call of God. And this ultimately leads to eternal separation from God. So you may accept things young. I'm vibrant. I have so many days ahead of me. But you don't know when you're going to die. It could be the you think I'm in. You really don't know. And so at this point, you need to do something about it. Next step. So the time to choose is now. Don't put it off. Um, if you look at the next, if we look at the verse here, Hebrews 3.15, it says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. God's reaching out to you, and he's calling out to your heart, and he's saying, come to me. I've, I've died, and so I love you, and I don't want you to be separate from me, for you. And I, so, okay, Sydney, I've now accepted Christ. I've, I've died to my old self, and now I'm risen in newness of life. What is God calling me to? Marriage. Oh, that's an <laughs> answer. <laughs> God's calling us to be his disciples. <laughs> Just look at this Great Commission. So we've all heard the Great Commission so many times, but I really want to take into account everything that's involved in these verses. So this is Jesus talking. It's right before he asked you to take to heaven. He was instructing his disciples, and we are his disciples. Those who choose to follow Christ are ascended disciples. So it says to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of his disciples and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And Father, I am always with you to the end of the age. So God is always with us. And the whole amazing promise to have is that once you commit your life to God, he is never going to leave you. That's the most always there. He is always there through his Holy Spirit, teaching you, guiding you. And that is why he has shared this gospel message with others because of what God has done in our lives. We want to then go, want to propagate it to the whole world and tell everyone that God has done an amazing work in us. So God is calling us to live holy, sanctified lives. Now that sounds really scary, really mature, and it sounds like something that's really hard to attain. So it sounds like we do this through the power of the Holy Spirit. And through his power, we can be victorious over sin. We can only bear fruit of the Spirit. So you've heard those verses where you're going to know someone's a Christian, and we can, and you can look around and you can see this person's a Christian, this person's not because of their fruits. But we are either fruit to bear fruits of the Holy Spirit. And we're also called to grow and mature in our walk. All called. So what does that involve? That involves reading God's Word, actively being in prayer, being active in the of Christ. 
and then also reaching out and spreading the gospel message with others within the body. Okay, so what does it mean to be victorious over sin? So just as Jesus died on the cross and he was risen, he was risen again, he had victory over sin and us. And now we have power through Power through the Holy Spirit and death. Be victorious now. So God has now given us himself to be able to, uh, to be continually in his presence and to be continually victorious over sin. Be, and so now we are no longer slaves to sin. And it reads in Romans 6, 6, we, Our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we know that... Our, we would no longer be enslaved to sin. And verse 11 also reads, dead to sin, but alive could God. So you can see here that now we have been made free through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And now we have the life to God to be able to uh, live a life that's holy and sanctified. And so this power uh, that was part of our old self is now dead. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it reads, sin, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, all is all be- therefore I'm new. And so now we can start to view sin the way that it has become sin. So in Romans 12, 2, it talks about the transforming of our minds. And so God views. He doesn't want to just save us and um, leave us. He wants to change our minds, to change our view. God doesn't want sin. He wants us to be able to actively come to him and say, God, where is the sin in my life? Where are you on holding high priority when I should be holding you in high priority? Okay, so then I have a things that I'm... Are Christians perfect? Well, no, they're not perfect. Okay, so then one question, are we being perfected? Well, if you look at the Bible, yes, we're, we're, perfe- we're being perfected but through are- sanctification. So in Philippians 1.6, it says, He who began a good work will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So God is going to be with you as we're going through life, right? And so he's going to continually sanctify us to, so we can become more with us. Okay, so then let's talk about some of the fruit that should be exhibited in a Christian's life. So I have a question. Does anyone know where the fruits of the Spirit are found and where, where in the Bible? I first have a Yeah, yeah. that's right. And can anyone um, name off, yes, fruits of the Spirit, just offhand? Yes. The fruit. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So all of those are fruits of the Spirit. So this is not a perfect depiction of what the life of a Christian is, um, but we are called to bear fruit. So let's start out with where you came to as a Christian. So you first heard the call, so you're like a little seed that from and going on there you're hearing the call of god and then when you respond to the call of god a little tree there's nothing to sprout and then you become a new creature in christ and then you start to become more and starts to involved in prayer and reading the word and you are a babe in christ at that point so you're seeing more but that doesn't mean you're not a christian you are just learning god is showing you so many amazing things that's still a babe in your walk and then you begin to mature through sanctification, and you bear fruit at that point. So God wants us to bear fruit, and sanctification is the way that he allows us to bear So, So what do I mean by that? 
So a tree that's bearing fruit, you want it to bear more fruit, right? More fruit. So the way that you would do this is by pruning. So pruning is taking off unnecessary branch so that are taking the energy from the actual tree and that are not there is purpose really. So by taking off those branches, you can produce more fruit. You can produce a straw any tree. And that is what Christ does in our lives. He sanctifies us. He removes the sin in our lives and the things that we should not have in our lives anymore. And he takes them away. We can be more holy, more like him, and produce more fruit for his glory. So that so just as we said, the fruits of the Spirit are found in Galatians 5, verses 23. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to look at three of the uh, fruits of the Spirit. 22 and and we're going to look at common misconceptions and then as well as where, uh, what the actual spirit behind these are. So, Cindy, is faith, is our faith a blind faith? Do we have a meaning this up or is it just kind of like we believe it because we've heard it from some random person, evidence back that you heard it once in your life or whatever? So, no, our faith is based on God's word Maybe. and on his promises. So, the more that you know God, the more you realize his faithfulness towards us, and that produces faith within us, knowing that we can realize his God, that he is faithful, that he will always come through, no matter what the situation is. That is trust. Okay, so is peace then just kind of like this relaxed feeling, you know, when you're just faith. bad and you're feeling good? Is that what it is? So, No. He's about to go to knowing God and his grace and his love for us. So that's what peace is. Peace is, peace is the right relationship with God. So that requires the daily confession of sins. Not just confession of being in sins at the point where you turn your life around and follow Christ. It's daily. We daily need to make our relationship right with God and recognize his grace and his love for us. And that is what peace is. Peace is not a relationship. And peace is knowing who God is. All right. So now, a feeling. Love. Is it just an act of kindness? Do you just kind of like, you see all these people that are going around and they're doing great love, acts of charity or acts of love. But is it just the act, the, that act of it? Kind of is. <laughs> Sorry to shut you down again, but no. <laughs> so true love is coming from is that what himself. And so when we know who God is, and we see his character, and we know from God, where it says to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. That's what love is. It's the verse. So love is denying ourselves of our selfish, our selfish passions, and yet is clinging to Christ and to his love and looking to God as the illustrator of our love. But, okay, so how do we know who God is? Well, by reading his word. Okay, so then... If we want to read his word and we want to study it, maybe we can give you guys some practical, this is, this is kind of like a practical way that you could study the Bible to get more out of it. It's not the only way. There's topical ways, resources out there that you can use to help with studying the Bible, but this is just one way that Cindy's going to outline of read, uh, how to study the Bible. So the first thing is that you need to prepare. So it's not very effective if you just open your Bible Pick a place and read that verse. First of all, where you'll end up. And you also don't know 
like what anything like how that who knows um you know work with your life and what god is trying to say in that passage and it just doesn't make sense but the best way to prepare is to first confess your sins to god remember when i was saying you need to make right that relationship the best god on a daily basis so especially when we're approaching his holy word we need to confess relationship with him to be made right with him and then to also pray that he give us wisdom and discernment for how to read our sin and how to apply it properly to our lives. And then you need his word, observe the word. So this means just looking at the actual physical Bible itself. So look at, to, look at the structure of the paragraphs, look at the nouns, the verbs, the adjectives, things like the text. See what is sticking out. Is the word I sticking out versus is the word God or Lord sticking out? that things you see right away when you look at the text and then you can interpret the word what are read it so look at the context then so where was it written why was it written who wrote it once you all of these things are very important because the bible was written by earthly men and so you need to understand why was it written at this time in this place in order to fully understand what it is trying to say and if some of the words are a little bit difficult, don't be afraid to pull out a dictionary stand to the Greek and the Latin and the Hebrew and try to figure out what is this actual word Look at because that is how God can speak powerfully to your life. And then saying, only then do you apply it to your life. So how is this going to affect my life? So if you were to and only, uh, not look at context at all and pull out a verse like I can do all things through it well then you know you could say I can do all things through Christ therefore I can jump off of an airplane without a Christ and I can live because I can do all things through Christ that is totally out of context parachute that is not a proper application of scripture so once you look at it in the proper context and then you can actually see how is this going to affect my life and you can pray about how the Holy Spirit that help you to apply these words to your life and then it's really important to repeat this so not spirit can read the bible once uh in maybe your morning or your evening but to constantly to just in the word so writing out verses on cards and putting them in different places where you'll be putting it only be in on screen on the back of your phone different things like that can help you to repeat the word of god and has a constantly on your mind and therefore you can study it a lot more effectively. Have it constantly. So we talked about being active in God's word, but how is someone active in prayer? Okay. So Jonah, is it just singing the God is great and God is good song right before I pray and eat? Well, not really, Sydney. So Matthew 6, 7, Jesus is speaking to a group of people and he's, he's talking about not praying using vain repetition. So what he do to that is by, by repeating phrases or repeating words or means by kind of like songs or whatever over and over again until they lose their meaning. So they become empty or vain. Like God really wants this heartfelt communication between you and him as he needs this. He wants this relationship. And so God, and so he wants you to tell him, of your sin. He wants you to confess your sin to him. Tell him about your relationship. Tell him about the things that are going on in your life that you can't handle on your own and you know that he can handle. Give struggles. He's the holy, righteous God. Give him that right praise. 
glorify him for his kingdom praise, for, for who he is, as well as he wants to know our needs. He, he characterists in helping us out. And so giving him our needs, the things that we enjoy we to further his kingdom, you can ask for them in prayer, as well as others' needs. So if you hear people who want sick or those who are struggling with something, lift them up in prayer. Bring them to God. Bring them into your relationship who are God in prayer to kind of help, uh, help them out as well. Let God help them out. Relationship with as well as uh, is prayer just for me? Like, is this just kind of my own thing? As, and in James five sixteen, it reads, "Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may." And so it's really James is outlining this that it's not just an individualistic kind of prayer to be healed. It's more of this kind of you can build each other up and encourage each other and grow closer together and ultimately closer with God. And so it's in prayers not just for you. Pray with others, build with each other up, um, and you're gonna you're gonna be more effective in God's kingdom. So prayers are communication with God. Build each other. So- it doesn't make sense that if you're going to be in a relationship with someone that you would never talk to them. God, so it would be ridiculous to think of. So the fact that we're in a relationship with God where he is our father and our savior, right? That we need to be in constant communication with him in order to build that relationship and to mature in our walk with him. And we also need to be active in the body of Christ. So what does that look so Ephesians 4.4 4 outlines what the body of Christ really is. So as believers, we're meant to need this body, where Christ is the head and we are the body. So he's giving uh, us the members of of a body so that we can figure out what it does it mean to work together. So does analogous members of the body have the same function? No, that wouldn't make sense. If the ear, if everybody do all an ear in a body, that would make no sense. Every, then you'd only hear, you wouldn't be able to walk or move or anything. Wanted to be. So in Romans 12, verses 4 to 5, it talks about how we are all given a function by God, and God wants us to act in that function. We are, all, we are still unique and different people. We need to embrace those differences. And one thing that so to hear is that unity is not conformity. So you don't need to conform to this I love her. It's not uniformity, sorry. So uniformity is being exactly the same. We are all different. God made a little unique and different. And he also gave us unique gifts that he wants us to use for his kingdom. So it's all unique. We pursue unity in the body of Christ in order to be effective, but we don't need to try to be exactly the same as each other. So just because one person is talented in music does not mean that it needs to go and be talented in music. That's not what the word of God is saying. So like the Everyone preacher once said a few years ago, you've got to go. <laughs> a great so now we're going to talk about the Great Commission. Okay, so is this just for the missionary? All right, and is it, or is it for us? So whether you're great or small, God has called us all to be witnesses for him. It's like we're his ambassadors on this earth to spread his love to all to be around us. And so if we look at it, we're his hands and feet on this earth. Everyone not here physically, but he's given us his spirit and he's given us the ability to be his hands and feet to do Christ is not the work of the kingdom now. And this is not an option. 
And it could be as you sharing your personal testimony. It doesn't have to be this big sermon. It can be if, you, if the Spirit leads you to simple as preaches preach his word in a more uh, lengthy fashion or in a smaller way, with, uh, not smaller way, but like a, a shorter fashion with your testimony to kind of explain how your testimony brought you to this point, how his love has transformed you and how his son and the death of his son has transformed God has and so it's, it's our job to sow the seeds of truth. It's not our job to your life there and force some growth to growth on this person. That's God's area. We're called to, show, to go to sow the seeds of truth, to show God's love and show his truth and teach others to become disciples. And so as, as it's been said before, just do it. For those who haven't seen it, uh, check it out. It's pretty good. <laughs> that's my plug for that <laughs> okay so that's everything that video. we have for you so thank you so much for listening we're going to take some time now for questions or just some everything that we will pass the mic around um, so just speak into the mic and raise your hand in general comment something you'd like to share if you have um, one thing that uh couple weeks ago I was talking to a buddy of mine we were talking and he asked me if I if I date I learned God like am, am I in that relationship with him do I spend time do I actually got time out of my day to be with God and have that relationship like you take with like a boyfriend or girlfriend you know do I arrange my schedule around would him like do I go out on a date with God, you know, that sort of thing. And I've kind of spending time with, applied that to my life. And it's been really good, and I encourage everybody to date God. <laughs> Thank you for that. In the Bible, it says that we are the bride of Christ, right? So it's more than just the dating relationship. There's that lifelong commitment of Christ. And husbands and wives go on out on dates together all the time, and they spend time together, and they communicate to God. And, you know, that's exactly what this brother is saying right here, is that, you know, we need to be spending that time and, and developing that relationship with God. Amen. Yeah. Thank you for that. Comments. I'm... Anyone else? Okay, if right. not, fill out those exit slips and hand them to someone on your way out, and we hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Please.